Um, okay. That's just to give time for the intro and outro and everything. Okay. Um, but we will record for about 30 minutes, but that's not a hard and fast number. So if you're in the middle of talking or, you know, like we're still kind of like hashing things out, then we're just going to keep going. That's the beauty okay. of not having um, rules. And so we will just yeah. go until we're done. Um but kind of trying to keep around the 30 to 40 minute mark. And then um, the main thing is just to remember that although we can't see each other, it's very conversational. So you may say something about your story that will kind of bring up a question. And so I may throw that at you. My only question to you is what are your suggestions? Are there things that are off like off limits that I should not talk about? Like what are your suggestions there just in the conversation? Well, I think it's, uh, I don't think there's anything off limits. Um, I don't think there's anything off limits. Um, trying to think, uh, we're wide open. Um, um, hmm. I probably won't say, I I, I will tell you just so you're most comfortable. I think it's always fair for people to, uh, know Grove and I are, uh, we've been married for almost eight years. We have no okay. children of our own. And so I try not to talk about that a lot. I know it's a, you know, I just don't want to be stuck with a question. Do you have, what, do you have any children? <laughs> That's okay. hard for Got me. Got it. Yep. Just yeah. to be honest with you. Okay. But between you no, and I, I, we're, we're a licensed home for adoption. And so we're open to that. Uh, but we give our lives to what we're doing. And uh, so that's a sensitive question. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Um, I love that. And you saw in the questions, you know, you get to kind of share as much as you want. So, um, just how you guys met. And then what I love is that, you know, you're one of our grads, like you're just as much of a leader. So we definitely Mm want to highlight Grove, but I think even just you sharing your story of what it's looked like, um, and and that kind of thing. So that will be all on. I'll do my best. (laughs) What parts you want to share and what you don't want to share. So, um, but I think there's just a lot of, um, intriguing questions and stuff that just come from your story and how you ended mm-hmm. up where you where you are. So great, great. We'll yeah. kind of start on that, and then we'll get more into the heart of Texas Foundation. You know, ministry, what that looks like, the kits. I kind of thought we would maybe talk about that, and oh, then sure. um, the initiative of going into the women's. Um, sh- or sorry, not the ministries, but the women's prisons now. Is that an okay, um, should I say prison or like, what is the correct terminology? Oh yeah. Uh, we go into prisons, maximum security prisons. And I think, uh, what will be helpful to you and I'll explain this a little bit. I'll try to explain a little bit and then pause and give you any room to, so I'm not just going on and on for a long block. Okay. Um, I learned that uh, along the way, but, um, (laughs) Uh, the biggest difference from where we are than most people understand is that we are in a part of the prison that no volunteers do not serve in or get to even encounter. We're in the deepest, okay. darkest part of the prison. And so I'll try to explain a little bit about that without going Perfect. into great detail. It's where the lifers live. Uh, there's no services really to people with long sentences. What's the point okay. people have thought historically. So, okay. But they're the very answer through which the God, the Lord is bringing light. So okay, and that's where the seminary um, and like all of that training and stuff. That's what y'all are doing, correct? That's correct. Yeah. So we deal okay. with all that's lifers. Right. There are people that are never getting out. You have, you'll have some victims that are, are listening. We're very sensitive to that. But people who've been are affected by violent crime, and so we're not making heroes out of the men and women. They've hurt a lot of people, but they are servants of Christ, and so we just try to highlight that. Okay. 
Yeah. All right. Well, um, if there's anything that I trip up that's like, oh, that was not a good question or answer, then just do a hard stop, let me know, and then I can always edit it out. You're free. <laughs> You're free. Yeah, exactly. But You're free. I want to ask, and especially coming from like just a lot of people not knowing, you know, um, I want to kind of ask some of those harder questions. Um, Please do. And just yeah. allow liberty for you to be able to kind of share and, and Please whatnot. Please do. So, yeah, there's a, okay. we've been through enough by now to be, have a few answers in our belt. <laughs> So, good. 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 <laughs> All right. Well, do you have any questions before we get started? Um, I I don't. I probably will wish I had at the end, but I, I'm not smart enough to know right now. But I really appreciate <laughs> you, Jackie. I know you've, you're busy running hard with your family and studies and pastor's wife and things like that. And what you're doing to uh, be positive about what uh, what women are, where women are serving faithfully is so beautiful to watch. So thank you. Oh, well, thank you. I yeah. love cheerleading people. So it literally cool. brings me so much joy. So <laughs> that's great. Um, and I just I love highlighting what God is doing in women because it hasn't been out there. So I think exactly. that's why it's just fun. Yeah. It really is. It's cool. not um, stressful or bad or anything like mm -hmm. I, I absolutely love it. So good. Okay. Um, okay. The only other thing Every once in a while, whenever you're talking, I hear a little bit of a scratch. And okay. so sometimes like when you're talking um, and people are talking, and I do this too with my hands, sometimes I'll hit my microphone. If it's rubbing on your clothes, it'll cause a scratch that you won't necessarily yes. hear. So just try to be still, like especially when you're talking, or if you can kind of keep it um, pulled away from your shirt, then that always helps too. But it's not happening a lot. So, okay. um, but just to kind of throw that out there. So. Thank you for letting me know. All right. And then Brenna Norwood. That's Brenna Norwood. Name. Yes. Brenna Norwood. Got it. All right. Well, let's get started. Okay. Rock and roll. <laughs> <laughs> hey, everybody, and welcome to At the Table, the podcast for the SBC Women's Leadership Network. It's Jackie King, and I am so excited to be back bringing you stories of women in the SBC that are living on mission for the kingdom of God. And so I have missed you. I hope you had a great holiday, New Year's and Christmas and Thanksgiving. And we are starting up a new year here in 2020. And so today I get to introduce a new friend that I've been connected with over the last couple of months named Brenna Norwood. Brenna, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Jackie. So excited. She is a Texas girl, so I have to throw that out there. I'm very much a fan of Brenna. And so I'm really excited about unpacking your ministry today because I don't know that it's on a lot of people's radars. So before we get into what you do ministry-wise, why don't you tell us a little bit about you? Where are you from? Tell us a little bit about how you're connected to the SBC, all the get-to-know-you questions. Well, uh, my name is Brenna Norwood. I grew um, here in Texas, just as Jackie said. We, my husband Grove and I live in a little town called Belleville. It's where we live and office and go to church. Um, we choose to live in the country. Um, <laughs> now and, you, uh, you live on a farm, right? We do. We do. The secret is out. We have one pet cow. We have, a <laughs> uh, we just enjoy uh, getting away and uh, we're close to Houston and not too far from Austin, and we enjoy both of those things. Um, and so uh, I grew up in a Southern Baptist church. I grew up in churches that were about 90 people, and so church to me is very family-oriented, and I still enjoy that, really knowing people well, knowing the, the smell of their homes and uh, the color of their eyes and their names and their children and things like that. So that's the way I grew up and just come from kind of humble roots like that. 
Yes. Uh, okay. Now, what is your cow's name? I'm kind of curious. Oh, uh, her name is Penny. She came to us with a name. So. <laughs> oh, so fun. Um, I've always dreamt of like whenever I was a little girl, I wanted to be a rancher. Um, and so I wanted horses and cows, which is so different than what my life is now. So right, I think it's right. really fun that you've got Penny and Grove on your yeah. farm there in Belleville, Texas. So. Yeah. <laughs> so there is a lot to you. Um, I know Grove is a big leader, but so are you. So I kind of want to hear a little bit about you're a grad of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. That's where you mm. got your doctorate. So take us kind of a little bit, maybe briefly, about what leadership has looked like and ministry has looked like just leading up to now. Uh, well, I uh, went to college to be a school teacher and, and did that for six years and grew in the Lord. And uh, just if you just put really wonderful people who loved me and my life and didn't have to, and it really changed everything about uh, uh, about my walk with the Lord. And so seminary for me was surprising. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, growing up in Texas, uh, I had always, of course, heard of Southwestern, but associated that with pastors going for training and, and always respected that. I had not even heard of Southern Seminary until a friend introduced me and asked me to come up and just check it out. And it was just the Lord's next step for me. So I sort of stumbled into a beautiful thing. The Lord was, it was just the next right step, next faithful step. I couldn't, I didn't even know exactly what all the Lord had ahead, of course, but just to do that next thing. And so I ended up at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky. And uh, I'm so grateful for that experience. Um, the Lord, had, it was, it, it was, completely shaping and undergirding for all of the ministry that lay ahead. Um, and so it was just one faithful step after the next. I ended up uh, pursuing a PhD and leadership there with an emphasis in higher education and graduated with that in, t- in the December of 2009. So exactly 10 years ago, which is hard to believe. <laughs> oh, it gracious. so fast, right? <laughs> yes. And, you know, while I was there, I was privileged to work uh, full-time there. So it was a full-time schedule, full-time work, full-time uh, seminary. And I was working for Russell Moore there um, as an just executive assistant there in his office and had an interaction there with the professors at, and the seminary system itself that I never would have had as a student alone. And I really look back at that as, as much my training for what the Lord had as anything. And, um, I'm really grateful for Dr. Moore and of course, Dr. Moeller, uh, the longer I am away from Southern seminary, the more grateful I, I grow, uh, for that experience. Yeah. So, all right. So that brings us to today Um, Mm -hmm. and you being the co-founder with Grove, your husband of the Heart of Texas Foundation. So Mm -hmm. um, it's not honestly like you hear that name and you think, oh, I wonder what that is. And it's it's probably going to be a little bit surprising to some of our listeners. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what the foundation is and Mm -hmm. how this even really got birthed between you and Grove? Like where did it kind of come about on your radar? Yeah, it, uh, the first full operation of the Heart of Texas Foundation was in 2010. And uh, it, it's, we, we exist to uh, be a catalyst for and to raise funds for and to be uh, the advocate for a gospel equipment to men and women with very long sentences, prison sentences, who uh, men and women who will uh, live and die most likely uh, in prison or spend a great deal of their time there. We want them to have a Bachelor of Science in Biblical Studies 
provided by, in our case, in Texas, the Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. And then uh, the point, of course, there is not just to get the degree, but we stay with the men and women through their graduation and out onto the field to essentially become missionaries, gospel-equipped missionaries trained with that Bachelor of Science in Biblical Studies to serve in prison units throughout Texas. Mm -hmm. And so, um, unfortunately, Texas is known for being big in everything, including prisons. We have 107 uh, prisons just in the state system. That does not count county jails and things like that. There are 95 men's prisons and 13 women's. So, um, uh, uh, again, uh, the, the population that we are working with are the men and women who may never go home. In the nine uh, years that we've been active, not one person that we've worked at with has yet uh, been released. Um, so they are faithfully serving out there as what we call the missionaries are field ministers in our case. That's the term that, that uh, hmm. we use and operate with with the Texas Department of Criminal Justice. Um, they have an accepted actual job description for their role as a field minister, which um, we can kind of, it's a lot to take in for listeners all at once. Um, so we can kind of build to that and, uh, and as we go, as we talk, you and I, Jackie. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's, because I definitely want to talk about that. Um, mm -hmm. But I want to go back a little bit to what, like, what was the conversation between you and Grove of like, let's go into prisons or, um, you know, like, how did that start? I think right. between you two, was this something that was in y'all's story or family members or friends? Like, how did that conversation get started? And then to kind of follow up with that, what was some of the pushback, especially mm. as you got started, as you were trying mm. to kind of gather a team together? Like, what were people mm. saying and were they on board? And um, what did those kind of beginning stages look like? Well, uh, Grove, as a layman before we married, was uh, would go into prisons out of faithfulness. He was invited to go in a few times and he ended up asking and calling uh, the Louisiana State Penitentiary and asking if he could go. It was known as the bloodiest and darkest prison in America at one point, and uh, that's just kind of the man he is. He, he gave him a call and said, uh, I'd like to come and see that. I hear good things are happening there, having no idea what was really going on uh, behind the scenes. And so he spent some time there initially, uh, just that first visit, and he and he saw the warden there at the time was uh, showed him to the fact that New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary had begun to offer classes to the lifelong in inmates there in, at Angola. And so he began to see uh, the effect of uh, the Bible college, as they call it there, on the, in the life of the men who 90% there die there at Angola in Louisiana. They do not let them out. And uh, they just have some strict uh, policies there. But uh, what, what Grove did there and I, uh, was the Lord just gave him the vision for going a step further than just a degree. And so it was with that, uh, I began to go with him on his first trip when he took Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. We had no idea what the Lord, that the Lord would bring us together uh, to be married at that time. We were just Christian friends. And um, so uh, really it just, for me personally, my calling first came just as a call to Grove. And then, um, then it, it, we can now see the just a beautiful pairing that the Lord had and a combination of gifts that he brought together and experiences and, and love of the Lord and, and love for education and for discipleship. 
um, that the Lord brought together when he allowed us to be married. And uh, it was from that. So it's been little by little. We learned a lot uh, about, we went to Louisiana for three years, once a month and uh, took groups of people there. We learned a lot, but it was not what we were trying to replicate. Uh, it became all about really sending missionaries out. We're a, sending, a mission sending organization. We're lifelong missionaries ourselves, but we really want to equip the men and women who live in the prison system to be gospel missionaries themselves, to go places where we cannot yeah. uh, and talk to men and women there in ways that they can relate to that we cannot. We've never spent time in solitary confinement. We've never had to deal with, uh, it's, it's still mind boggling to come across, especially now the women uh, who have spent 20 years there already going in at 15 and now they're 35 or 40. Mm -hmm. And uh, they're just uh, not, uh, not someone you run across every day that has lived, lived through that and is now settled in the Lord and, and wanting to be a life giver rather than a life taker. Mm, so good. Well, I'm a sucker for a good love story. And so oh. I loved <laughs> the threads of um, how God birthed just that ministry, mm. like individually, you know, and how he used that to yeah. bring you and grow together. And then now you're making an impact, not only statewide, but really just nationwide. You know, this is, mm. this is expanding, which we get to talk about in a little bit. Um, so let's go ahead and maybe have you kind of define um, and maybe even characterize some of the people, the men and women that you are specifically working with. Um, when you say that they're lifers, what does mm -hmm. that mean? And um, and even in kind of those first couple years of you going in and um, you doing this ministry, what were some of your fears and mm -hmm. like hesitations? Because um, I would imagine um, like if I were to go with you today, um, mm -hmm. I would just think like, what, what do I say? You know, like, mm -hmm. and just all of the fears that would kind of siphon through my head. So um who yeah. are we talking about? Who are you ministering to? And then yeah. what were some of those kind of initial things that you had to get over walking into those circumstances? Mm -hmm. uh, well, the, the, the people that we are serving are those with long sentences, which means they are very violent crimes. Uh, most of the w men and, and women that we work with are, uh, have taken someone's life uh, sometimes there it's, it's an, an aggravated robbery. So that means they carried in a weapon when they robbed either a bank or a store or something. If they carried a weapon that will carry a very long sentence because of the potential of taking someone's life. Um, it's those kinds of violent crimes. Uh, so, uh, I guess I almost have to remember some of my initial hesitations that the Lord has has uh, taken care of those, but I do remember uh, the very first time I went into a prison, uh, we were going to go into death row the first day. And I really struggled with that uh, because it was a men's death row. And uh, I was, it just made me very, very, I, I, I had a lot of questions about that, but many of the questions I initially had were, um, were just, how do I know who you can trust? How do you know who you can trust? And one of the ways the Lord dealt with that very simply is uh, uh, it really is, it, it's just developed over time, but it really is between them and the Lord. And we have a lot of safeguards and a lot of the way we never forget where we are, um, but we've come to know and love so many of the men and women there. And uh, we definitely stay in our lane. We understand that we're always in the house, uh, in the uh Texas Department of Criminal Justice house. We're in their house when we go in and security is paramount. But um, 
as, as you go in and we have so many of the, the people that we've now known for nine years and uh, they are my brothers, uh, they are my sisters. And so uh, some of those, I, I just don't have the same concerns, even though we are obviously very, we never forget whose house we're in and where we are. So it's a combination of factors and not easily said in sound bites, but I would invite yeah. people to come <laughs> and uh, see for themselves. So I love even the picture of that to where um, where one would be maybe hesitant kind of in the beginning, obviously. Um, and it's mm-hmm. a new it's a new field. It's a probably I'm just going to say like a pretty intimidating field, you know, mm-hmm. um, but then to go in and for you to be able to describe them several Mm. years later as these are my brothers these are the people Mm -hmm. that are very much like protecting me and with me and you know listening to me and sharing life with me and so even just that transformation i think in presence you know and that these are my people now um not only shows the work of the gospel right Mm. but Mm -hmm. i think it also just shows your heart to seeing them as people and as brothers and sisters in christ so i'm kind of curious um and this Mm -hmm. is probably going to be a hard question because i'm sure you have tons but um are there any specific just stories of people men and women that you have interacted with that you have journeyed with for these last nine ten years (laughs) and that you are able just to kind of share maybe not specific details obviously um Mm -hmm. but just a little bit of their story and how you have seen god working through this ministry Mm. there are there are so many stories it is it would be difficult (laughs) to uh it's part of our part of our struggle really is to share them would anybody believe and would anybody care and -hmm. i do think they would uh, but sometimes you know it, it really one thing about this uh type of work is it does run you through your theology very quickly uh it races you to the gospel um, uh, very quickly, and you're best when you you're best when you go in and you stay right at the foot of the cross. Uh, that's just been our lifeblood. But uh, with that, uh, there are many stories. Uh, one of the things I do want to tell you about is three of the men who are now field ministers. We've known them since I would say since 2012. Uh, three of them got together and wrote a devotional book called Exiles: A Prisoner's Daily Devotional. We published that and put it, it is on Amazon, and it's a, it's a wonderful, it's, it's a devotional book written by inmates for inmates. So these three men still live there, um, and it's, it's actually quite good. Uh, uh, I can't go without saying that. Um, it's, uh, you know, people, about two sell a day on Amazon, and all the proceeds of that do not go to the Heart of Texas Foundation. They actually go to... Uh, a scholarship those three gentlemen those three authors have set up for children of inmates so they have given out i think four scholarships at this point and uh, it's exciting to watch them do that creating ways for them to give back and give life but there are so many stories jackie of course right now i'm going to tell a lot about uh, or i'll share a few about the men because we don't yet have the school up and running yet for the women we are praying that that will start in 2020 we've done a lot of work we've been a years of work on that already and, uh, but with the men, uh, we have one of our graduates, he would never think that I'd ever mention him, his name is Leslie. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did uh, have his sentence commuted from uh, death row to just uh, simply a life sentence. And uh, Leslie uh, serves in such a capacity where uh, he has gone from a person that at one point took a life, obviously in a very heinous way, to now he's a person who uh, cares for those, uh, even in hospice, he has found a a ministry to those who are dying in prison to the point where he cares for them that he he will cry for them 
So that is a, a heart that has definitely changed. I know that's taking it to extreme pretty quickly, but the ripple effect of the gospel is not just, um, of course, it's salvation. There's been over a thousand baptisms at Darrington, at the Darrington unit alone since 2011. We have those figures, uh, that data from the Texas Department of Criminal Justice itself. So we just, uh, where the school is at Darrington, there are now 33 locations where our graduates are in teams of four or more. And so um, uh, that, that's, just this, that's just one prison that has over a thousand baptisms. Um, uh, it, it, it really, I, I don't want to take a step back to let uh, listeners know a little bit of more of the vision because it is hard to get, capture. You yeah, kind of have yeah. to, you kind of have to picture, if you pictured our state, um, and you just pictured uh, like 107 dots all over the map. Uh, and those are 107 prisons. All of there, some as many as 10 hours apart from Amarillo to Beaumont, um, with larger concentrations in the eastern part of the state. Um, in those, in those, out of those 107 dots, our school is at one of those dots. It's at the Darrington Unit near Houston, and uh, people with men with life sentences right now can apply every year to become part, become a freshman. At, uh, through, at the Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminaries, Scarborough College um, offers that Bachelor of Science in Biblical Studies. And as we have hundreds of applicants each year, but only 40 slots are open. So uh, it's a, quite an application process. We look at behavior, they look at education. TDCJ calls those hundred, hundreds of uh, applications down to about, I would say about 60, and then they allow the uh, staff at uh, the Southwestern staff to review them after that and actually do interviews of the men. And so uh, they can the men can transfer from all over the state down to Darrington. Once they are accepted, we're about to get a new set of 40 who are, who will uh, 40 soon to be freshmen. We'll get those in January. And uh, you just have a picture of full school that already has freshmen, sophomores, juniors, and seniors with a graduation in May. Every May, we, we, we send out about another, about, about uh, of those 40 that come in, we've, we have about 33 to 35 that graduate each year. So um, that's kind of how that works. They stay there all four years. Good percentage, and get to know by them. the way. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. And, and even uh, some of them uh, may be suspended for a year. Some of them may get sick. Um, and some just self-eliminate. You know, it's not easy. It's not, we're not giving away degrees. We, we want the standards to be high because of the access, unprecedented access after, after graduation that they will receive uh, that they've never had before to go down, uh, literally down hallways of, of what people traditionally know as solitary confinement. That's now called restricted housing. So um, I know there's just a lot to think about, but so, uh, kind of backing up to the school just a second. We have about we have about 153 men in school right now. Uh, we've had five graduations, and with those five graduations, there are 164 uh, missionaries, field ministers, out on in Texas prisons right now in teams of four or five. They're sent back out from Darrington after graduation by the Texas Department of Criminal Justice, and they're assigned to a unit chaplain where they go. And so, of those 107 dots you were picturing. Uh, on, across the state, 
just picturing them going right back out on a chain bus in a team back out to work uh, with with a lot of accountability. We don't they're not just sent out and never hear from us again and say, good luck. Uh, Grove and I go and visit them. Uh, we continue to support them with a field ministry kit that includes theological uh, hefty theological books that they've become accustomed to over their four years of study. Those don't exist once they get back out on the field, so we make sure they're undergirded with biblical counseling booklets and two computers um, so that they can continue to write sermons and, and prepare uh, Bible study classes and other things that they need to do ministry well once they get back out on the field. So who is teaching um, these classes to the inmates? Are these professors from Southwestern? or is Yes, they are. Guys? Uh, okay. It's all accredited. Just it's, It is a Bachelor of Science of Biblical Studies uh, from Scarborough College. Mm -hmm. So um, we have uh, actually a brand new director named George Dyson of the school. And uh, we many of the, the, the people that are teaching there are local pastors who have these wonderful degrees and they're f serving faithfully out there. They have PhDs, they have DMINs, they have even MDivs. Um, uh, because it's a Bachelor of Science degree, uh, it also includes things like English and science and history in the, and, so, and a couple of classes in philosophy. So uh, we have some of those general ed courses as well that help the men kind of have a place to learn how to learn is which you know we know so much of our bachelor of science degree comes out of just learning how to learn remember so many of them only have geds um they they didn't finish high school and so uh, any any finishing of that they've done while incarcerated so it's uh it's just so amazing i love and i love i didn't know um it, even from our previous conversations i didn't realize that they were coming to your unit and then going back out to yes. the different units and so what a picture right mm -hmm. of yeah. um that being a lighthouse and then that light going out and being spread out all across the state of texas mm -hmm. i mean how powerful is that so yeah, we can't um, wait to do it with the women <laughs> okay yeah so that's what especially before we run out of time because sure. i'm really curious you're you said um before in our previous conversation we had chatted about um, just this new branch of the ministry and how you're hoping to go in and start the same process for the women. So what are some of the challenges, I guess, that have made it this long until you've been able to get to the mm -hmm. women's um, unit? And then what are you seeing kind of happening right now as going as we're going into 2020? Uh, well, the work toward the women, uh, it does, it does, it has seemed like a long time to wait, uh, but they're, they're, the men, the faithfulness that the men have shown for this just completely unprecedented work that Texas Department of Criminal Justice is accommodating inside of their system is, it has, pro has proven that to everyone that this can work. Not only does it work, uh, they're just asking for more graduates all the time. And so uh, the faithfulness of the men is a lot, has, has only given them more confidence to say yes to the women and the women's needs are just totally different. It's just a totally different atmosphere. Uh, and yet the, the answer is the same, you know, the gospel is, uh, mm -hmm. the Lord Jesus is the same and the way that they're going to serve and work that out. is going to be so beautiful. And, uh, we just can't wait to see them being given an opportunity for resources that they just do, do not have. Um, for the women. So that's, it's not just in the, in a ministry area that resources are a bit less for the women. It's a really, it really every education or vocational opportunity is, a is there fewer for the women. I think some of that is, uh, 
the, there, there's just a more men. There are 135,000 men in Texas prisons. There are 13,000 women. Um, we are just now seeing a, unfortunately, a large uptick of women with extremely long sentences, 60 years or more. So we, uh, Grove and I visit monthly, uh, the hobby unit. We, the, we now have a women's advisory council for the heart of Texas foundation. We didn't want to just kind of throw in the, the model that's working inside the men's prison and just say, here, this will work. We really wanted to do our homework and to be very caring and careful and make sure it's built to last for the women. We wanted to, I, I, you know, there's so many things, even being a woman, going into that environment is totally different. It used to intimidate me. It used to overwhelm me with the need that was in front of me. And I see nothing but opportunity now. And I'm really grateful for that shift in my mind. I'm really grateful for the Women's Advisory Council, the members of that, that I do listen to. Each one of them has visited. I take a, we take, we're Grove and I are going on Friday, actually, with Diana Severance. <laughs> Um, and so we look forward to that visit. Um, we just, we just look forward to, and we're thankful as, uh, please pray for us as many of the leaders at Southwestern have to, uh, you know, it's a, it's a big leap of faith in some ways to continue to say yes to all of this. And they have, it just shows their heart. We're so grateful for Dr. Greenway, Dr. Stinson, uh, Colby Adams, as they have, you know, taken the helm there at Southwestern, they are leading well, and we are grateful that uh, they are at the helm, and, and uh, we just kind of are putting the women before them, and as they get their feet on the ground there, uh, we just continue to want to be a voice for those, for those women, and they, have our, they, they do want to do this. We just want to do it, all do it well. So as we put it before the accrediting body and, and everything to say yes to, we're excited about what we have, uh, have ahead. So. Yes. Well, and a big shout out to Southwestern. It has just been really yeah. cool to see how yeah. um, God has been working and moving um, in our school. And so I'm a proud student there and love giving a shout out to them and our leadership that yeah. are working so hard to get the gospel out. Um, yeah. And so so you mentioned prayer. Um, so as we close out, I think it would be mm -hmm. really kind of cool if you could let us know, how do we come alongside you guys? How do we encourage you, especially for those listeners that are like, what does that look like? like to maybe bring that to our state or how can mm -hmm. I come alongside you and come and and visit and be a part of this ministry so what are some practical ways that women and our listeners can kind of come alongside and become a part of the ministry that you're doing oh, thank you for asking that prayer is definitely uh, high on the list just continue to pray for for us to, to lead with wisdom and to navigate uh, all the things we have to navigate in order to do this uh, with the excellence of, of Christ uh, there's a lot of different dynamics, the state, the prison system, the men, the women, um, and for the men themselves. I would say, please, uh, please, if you'll look at the heart of Texas foundation.org. And if you want to know more, there's a newsletter opportunity there. Please sign up for our newsletter. We can give it information to you that way. Um, and we, I will, I am already keeping a spreadsheet of women that I come across with master's degrees and PhDs, uh, regardless of where they currently live. I want good quality women as, um, as we're beginning to develop the school for the women. This is an opportunity for women with those degrees to teach in this environment. And uh, so I'm keeping a running log of those. Um, be prayerful about that. I'm open to uh, names from you, Jackie, on that. And uh, <laughs> as they inundate your mailbox with that, I'd be glad to receive those uh, because I know there are wonderful women out there that have been trained and are serving faithfully there. And that experience that they have will be so helpful 
uh, to us in the prison. And then also when the women do eventually graduate, we, we want local churches to adopt them just as they have with the men. So that, that's a long way away in one sense, but um, it will be a reality, Lord willing. So uh, we look for, there's just multiple, many, the, the, the harvest is plentiful, the workers are few. And so um, we are praying for the Lord to send us those workers. So I am going to make sure to add um, Brenna's information. And so if you want to contact her, I'll put the Heart of the Foundation um, of Texas logo and, you know, information to where you can go to their website to be able to check out and read mm -hmm. up a little bit more of the stories and the initiatives that they are charging forward with. And so I really would, if you have been listening today and you think, man, that is something that I want to be a part of, or I have an MDiv, that's the beautiful thing right now. I think that there's so many women that are graduating our seminaries that are taking ownership of their call and wanting to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. And that looks different. And we've been able to hear so many different stories on this podcast about how women are doing that. And so maybe you're listening today and you're thinking, I can totally do this and I'm scared, but let's try it. Um, then I totally want to connect you with Brenna. I would really encourage you to reach out and um, and just say, hey, how do I pray with you? Um, and then I know Brenna is not going to mention this, but I'm going to for her. Um, mm. Ministry takes finances. And so there's so much. Um, she mentioned the computers. She mentioned being able to resource uh, their students with different curriculums and those kind of things. And so maybe you're not in Texas and can go with her, but you can absolutely give some money and donate some money to where they're able to provide curriculum to men and women to a place that honestly you and I are not going to be able to go. Right. And so, um, I think it would be such a blessing and such a piece of the gospel to be able to be a part of this. And so I really want to rally our women and our listeners to just pray and consider what it looks like being a part of this ministry. And so, Brenna, um, it has just been so interesting and challenging, I think. Mm -hmm. um, this is definitely not something that is really talked about in a lot of churches or really even seminaries, you know, in ministries. Mm -hmm. And and what a bright light you and Grover being to the state of Texas, to those that are in our prison systems, and to even their families. I mean, the way that this is trickling down to being able to mm -hmm. offer a scholarship for kids um, who have a parent in the, in the prison system. I mean, mm -hmm. there's just so much that I think God is doing, and you have greatly shown a light on that today. So I appreciate you so mm -hmm. much. Come to prison sometime, Jackie. We'd love to, for you to do a <laughs> recording and hear the women themselves. Uh, I think we could might be able to arrange that. So Hey, I actually might take you up on that. Anytime I can get for Texas and tacos and then seeing the gospel <laughs> move. I mean, how can you say no to that, right? Amen. Um, <laughs> so we will have to um, definitely schedule that out. I would love to do that. So that is my yes right here on the great, show. Great, <laughs> great. They would love that too. Yeah. All right, Brenna. And our last couple minutes, um, especially just for our women leaders that are listening, how would you encourage them? Maybe just a phrase or um, just a personal discipline that you've had as a woman leader as you've taken the next steps. How would you encourage our listeners today? Just stay faithful where you are. The Lord sees you. He has you there. And be faithful with small. That was such good advice to me. And uh, mm -hmm. do it as unto the Lord. And he will not waste one thing. Sometimes what we're doing currently isn't all that thrilling it would look like or maybe even unseen. Uh, but there's there's nothing that he's not using. And so, um, yeah, that would be it. 
He loves you. So. <laughs> well, Brenna, we are thankful for you. We are cheering you on, and we are excited to see more of what God is going to do in 2020 through the Heart of Texas Foundation. So thank you for your time and your encouragement today. Thank you so much. God bless you. And as always, thank you so much for listening to another episode of At the Table. I hope you will join us next week as we share stories of women in the SBC leading and serving across the planet. We'll see you next week.